on this episode of AV Week, the rise of soft codec video conferencing and how it impacts design, where the $1 trillion of the infrastructure bill will hit the AV industry, and Infocom updates their COVID safety protocols. All that and more next on AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week, episode 521, recorded Friday, August 13th, 2021. Backups. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Sure. And by Middle Atlantic. What great systems are built on. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host. With us to discuss the news and information we have gathered this week, first and foremost, from parts unknown, places unknown, but you know her because she's fantastic. Her name is Dawn Mead, also known as AV Dawn. Welcome, ma'am. Thanks so much for having me again, Tim. Absolutely. Uh, from the great state of Georgia, but technically he works for Draper, which is in Indianapolis, but not to con- well, technically it's Spice Land, but it's Indiana. Uh, Kevin Barlow, welcome, sir. Thank you, Tim. Always a pleasure. Absolutely. And last but not least, a young man that I got to hang out with yesterday because I just flew in from L.A. and boy, are my arms tired. Uh, brand new uh, job for Mr. Mark Coxon with HD Distributing. Welcome, sir. Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Got to hang out with him and some really great uh, AV tweets in Southern California yesterday. You can check out uh, a bunch of pictures on, on, uh, on the Twitters. Um, but if you ever get to hang out with Mark Coxon... Um, Make him take you to a chicken joint because Mr. Coxon has a knack for ch- picking the best chicken joints you will ever go in your entire life. And if you don't agree with me, I will pay for your meal. I'm not playing. <laughs> Once we had, again, yeah. We had a good lunch. We had a good yeah. lunch, Tim. Heck yeah. Uh, not a commercial, but if you're ever in Southern California, um, you need to go to the, the, crack, the crack Shack, is where we went yesterday. Um, Literally the best hot chicken sandwich I have ever had in my life, and I don't. You can you can throw Popeyes at me, you can throw Chick Fil A at me, you can throw Wendy's and whichever one. Jack in the Box has a good one, but no, that was fantastic, dude. So yeah, it was a good time. Um, our first story comes to us from our friends over at AV Network and SCN. Infocom has updated their COVID safety recommendations. Anyone attending the event, October twenty second through the 29th, that's the education, the, the show itself is the 27th through the 29th, will need to wear a mask. This is regardless of vaccination. I the also social distancing now back to six feet. Dave Lubuskas of VIXA CEO also said in the statement that the association is evaluating on-site testing and vaccine validation. That's the VIXA side and the Infocom side. This statement, though, comes in and, up, uh, and, and updates the week of activity, significant activity, surrounding Cedia Expo. That show is the 1st to the 3rd of September in Indianapolis. Uh, the residential show has lost Snap One, Savant, and other major companies have pulled out of that show, citing COVID concerns. Don, we'll start with you on this. Uh, you are the end user of this panel. Uh, the, the, not end user, but you're an AV user. Uh, you're an AV technologist, um, but inside a, a corporation. What will make you go or not go to Infocom or if you were going to Cedia, to Cedia or any other sort of trade show? Well, at the moment, my boss and I are going to Infocom because we're teaching classes. However, if you're not a class goer, um, and, and even that, we're at the whims of our own corporate um, 
corporate uh, hierarchy as to travel restrictions and that sort of thing. Um, you know, here in our undisclosed location in the greater mid-Atlantic region, um, we're back to wearing masks in our own buildings, in our own offices all the time. Whereas if you were vaccinated a few weeks ago, we could be mask free. Um, but the map is steadily creeping red and that means bad things for everybody. So we're back there. Uh, we're waiting to see if they'll let us keep coming into the office, which, uh, you know, I'm not in the office today, but normally I am this week. Um, or if we're, we're going to be working from home again. So once those decisions get made, they've already put a halt of people returning to the office. So if, if they make the decision that we're going to go back home again um, for the long haul, at least those that are able, it's also incredibly likely they'll be putting a halt on all travel again. Because it was only a couple months ago that they finally said, okay, you can travel so long as you're vaccinated, so long as, you know, all these things happen. So, you know, we have demands outside of our own industry or needs that are dictating to us what we can and cannot do. Now, as for the technology side of it, you know, for the past year and a half, I, along with everybody watching and listening, we've been attending these little virtual trade shows. We get the basic info. We get looks at the spec sheets. We get to virtually network with our friends. Um, I know I was looking very much forward to going to Orlando. I'm still looking very much forward to going to Orlando and seeing everyone in person, even if those hugs suddenly go back to Wakanda forever kind of virtual hugs from six feet away. But, um, you know, I, th I think it's going to come down to who's there. We can justify spending the money on the company's dime to go down to Orlando or out to Vegas when we have a return on the investment in the terms of being able to see a lot of manufacturers, being able to talk to a lot of contacts, be they integrators or manufacturers or even other end users that we may partner with, you know, competitors, as we say in the, uh, the, the, the DC parlance. Um, you know, those sorts of things are really important. And if people are starting to drop or not show up, that value to my company becomes less. And so even if they do permit us to still travel, they may not be as willing to front the money for myself, my boss, and at least one of my coworkers to go and spend a week there. So we're all kind of up in the air at this point, much like the show itself, I'm sure. Kevin, I'll bring you in on this because, you know, uh, Don mentioned the, the ROI part and, and Draper is, is, you know, exhibiting at CDF, exhibiting at Infocom. They're a sponsor of, of, of AV Nation. What is the ROI when it comes to shows? You know, uh, Dawn, as an uh, as a technology manager, right? She has a one ROI. She just mentioned it. You, you, there has to be uh, manufacturers there that they can go to and talk to. From your standpoint, and from from a manufacturer standpoint, Mark, I'm going to ask you kind of a similar similar question here, uh, just from the dis the distribution side. What is the ROI when it comes to a show like this? You know, how many people needs to be there? it to make sense both from the, the cost of the exhibit space and the, the expense of, of sending people mm -hmm. all great questions and uh, agree with everything Don said from the, the end user perspective um, I think historically and I don't have the exact numbers in front of me but um, but I've seen them I think that it's typically a two to one ratio or maybe two and a half to one ratio between exhibitors and attendees meaning that uh, in 2019, you know, for every one exhibitor, there were two to two and a half non-exhibitors at the event, roughly. And if 
if we're able to reach that from an strictly from an ROI perspective, if we're able to keep that ratio, it's going to be challenging, I think, but that would be that would be worthwhile. Now, Draper, just speaking for one manufacturer, we're all in for both events. We're doing everything as if they're going to happen. Um, we will be there unless you know unless the plug gets pulled by management, not not our yeah. management but show management. Um, and we're doing everything we can to help inspire and motivate other companies to, to do that as well. I see that there's two sides to this whole um, topic. There's the corporate side, which is largely driven um, by, um, for big companies, it's driven by lawyers, right? For trying to protect the corporation from lawsuits. Then there's the personal side, individuals deciding is it safe for me? Do I want to, you know, do I want to go? Is there enough? Is it worthwhile? Is there too much risk? All of that. Even over the past 11 months, I started traveling again mid-September. So I've been traveling for about 11 months and been on over two dozen trips all over the country. And I know a number of other people who have. I also know a number of, of people, partners, customers, dealers, who are just starting to travel now and then putting the brakes on it, you know, 30 days in. A lot of that's driven by corporate mandates, as Don mentioned, and a lot of it's driven by people's comfort level, um, whether they feel it's safe to travel or not. So for Infocom specifically, I mean, Cedia is right around the corner. I don't think, you know, if someone's going to drop out of Cedia, you know, they're making the decision today. <laughs> or Monday. But for Infocom, my hope is that the, uh, the, the Delta, not the airline, the Delta becomes kind of a, a blip that it goes away as fast as it came and that people don't get too panicked, that they you know, you know, don't make uh, cancellation decisions you know, in the next week because of the domino effect. Um, I was on a call just this morning with Rochelle talking about you know, all the things that they're doing to make sure that it's safe and secure, all the protocols. And because I've been traveling for so long, going to talk to people six feet away or with a mask is no big deal. I did that for nine of the last 11 months. Yeah. For people who haven't been out, it might be a little bit awkward or difficult, but I think there's enough value in that face-to-face -face interaction, going to find a chicken joint in Orlando, you know, with Mark, you know, that's that's something new I'm adding to my calendar. <laughs> and you and you should. Yes. Uh, Rochelle there, uh, being Rochelle Richardson, of course, Vice President of Expositions for for Avixta, in, uh, incredible person to talk to if you get a chance. Um, Mark, besides chicken joints uh, in Orlando, um, what where does this look? I mean, what, same thing. What what does ROI look like for you? Um, you are 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 teaching uh, at Infocom, uh, along with our buddy uh, Chris Neto and, and uh, Camille Birch. In addition to that, you got, you know, not only does the HD have clients there, uh, customers, certainly, you know, manufacturing partners that you guys distribute. What what does the ROI look like from, from your standpoint, but also from a business standpoint? Yeah, I think, you know, Don and Kevin have covered a lot of great points. So I don't want to go over those too much. But, you know, for us as a, as a distributor, number one, yeah, you're right. I'm, I'm uh, teaching a course on personal branding, and then I'm also moderating a panel on 
uh, large format displays, whether it be projection video walls and LEDs. So I have a couple tasks to do while I'm there, and that'll bring me there regardless if the show's yeah. on or not. Um, from an ROI standpoint, as a distributor, it's a little different because, you know, as a as an end user, Don has an ROI. Even as a, a manufacturer, there's some value to Kevin to having end users stop by the booth because they can get some mind share from an end user who may then go ask for their brand to whichever integrator they buy through. Um, as a distributor, we're kind of on the back end a little bit, so I don't, you know, I, I don't believe, and, and Don could correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't believe. Uh, an end user ever goes to their integrator and goes buy through this distributor, right? They just want the product at the best price in the time frame, And so Mindshare with end users um, is probably not as big of a deal for us as a distributor, but we do need, we do need to see our integration partners. And it's good for us to show support of uh, the brands that we distribute. So, you know, we're there for our manufacturer partners that we distribute their products and we're there for our integrator partners to let them know that um, we have those products and can help them with a lot of the things that are going on through COVID, besides you know all this distancing and, and thinking about personal protection and all that, is is the other uh, you know the supply chain thing, and so you know companies that have stock are are adding value, and so for us that's the ROI, you know who can we get in front of um, there at the show, that we can help kind of deliver product through the end of the year. On a personal note, I think it's smart that Infocom said they're going to do masks inside. Um, went to a show in Vegas at Cavlo. Vegas is wide open. Cavlo required masks inside. I don't think it was an issue. Um, it seemed to be an easy way to do it. It doesn't divide people. It doesn't become political. It's just like, hey, here's one rule for everybody. Let's all be safe and have a good time. And um, I think that's a smart thing on their part. So I don't see a problem with that. But uh, I have heard a lot of people, you know, second guessing the show, especially international contingent, you know, Canadians that are afraid they might not be able to get back home or things like that. And so I think there are a lot of personal considerations that are going to happen. Yeah, and the, the, that part, um, and I've, I've, talked to, I've talked to a number of, of the Canadian friends as well, you know, um, there, there are ways you can get in, especially if it's for business. Uh, there are some international, though, that, that are not, meaning, uh, yes, Canada's international, but there's a, a shared border, meaning this, uh, when I say uh, international, we're talking about outside of, of the uh, the waters here, right? Like anything over across the pond, there are some issues with some of those folks getting in. So it'll be interesting. Uh, it's very certainly interesting to watch. Next uh, story comes to us from uh, My Tech Decisions. The U.S. Senate has passed a $1 trillion infrastructure bill. Pause. This is not a political conversation. Okay? Don't care. It's passed. You know, there we go. All right. Uh, part of this, though, you got $1.9 billion slated for cybersecurity. Other parts of this that are going to be uh, impacted and allocated uh, funds for high-speed internet, power infrastructure, roads and bridges, also uh, electric vehicle technology. Uh, uh, Kevin, we'll start with you on this. Uh, what areas of AV do you see this bill impacting the most directly uh, when it comes to, you know, the, the, the $1 trillion that they're, they're doing out? I think, and, and I haven't followed the news feeds on it, so I don't know what the media has portrayed this at. I'm not, I'm not talking the political, I'm talking about where the money's going to go. But I yeah. think one of the biggest areas is um, cybersecurity for our infrastructure. In other words, um, the technologies needed to protect everything that's connected to the internet. And I'm particularly sensitive to that because here at Draper we went through a ransomware attack in 2019 and it was very costly um, 
in terms of business, getting back to business and all that. And we're not the only ones, you know, multiple other companies in the AV industry that have been hit in the last couple of years. So I, I think from that perspective, anything that's connected to the network, which actually ties into the third topic today, your mobile devices, anything that's connected to the network is going to be of, of a scrutiny and of investment in terms of infrastructure. Um, from, from classic uses like command and control centers, which use video walls and other technologies, to education, um, to you know, the whole, um, you mentioned electric cars, right? So there's probably a whole plethora of things that, that are tangential to our industry that we can feed off of and play off of. So from a non-political perspective, I think the infrastructure bill is going to be great for the AV industry. Um, and it's going to trickle through numerous different areas. Um, um, I, I couldn't begin to guess all the places it'll end up compared to Mark. I bet you have a lot of good ideas on this topic. Tag. Uh, Mr. Coxon? Wow. Teed, teed me up for a big swing and a miss. No, um, so, so no. I think I mean I think there are a lot of I think there are a lot of opportunities. Here, here's the main thing. I don't think any AV manufacturer is going to go out and volunteer that their stuff isn't secure and you need to buy the new stuff, right? So there's a there's definitely a there's definitely a um, a balancing act that's going to have to be played here if AV wants to take go in and, and use cybersecurity as a reason to upgrade AV equipment or to break the normal technology buying cycle. Right, but what I do think is going to happen is with the increased, uh, with the increased kind of emphasis on security, there are going to be a lot more questions asked of us and our gear and our equipment. Obviously, when these new projects come out, um, things like GITC certification and TA compliance and all those things are going to be very important for government um, as this goes forward. Um, you know, we were looking at one of our manufacturers the other day, and they had a new product coming out, and they were asking us if we could distribute it, and then we found out it had a Huawei chip in it. Right. And so we automatically said, hey, that's not going to play here in the U.S. That that equipment's not there. But I think as integrators, we're going to have to know those rules. Right. So integrators are going to have to know the rules. Manufacturers are going to have to know where they play nice. And then, you know, um, you know, looking at the the conversations I've seen online, you know, things like, uh, you know, soft codecs have been going crazy. That may reverse a little bit in the government world. Right. Like if Teams and Zoom and all of these things aren't certified to be. Uh, secure on their networks, um, they may be going back towards hardware-based equipment that does have those certifications, or the soft codec, you know, software companies are going to really have to catch up and make sure they get their products approved for those applications. So I think we're going to see a little bit of an evolution. You may see a little bit of a of a throwback to codecs for a little while until some of the UC stuff gets gets fixed up. But um, yeah, there's there's definitely going to be a an opportunity for people who know security to win work. Um, and I would say if you're an integrator out there, start brushing up on your IT skills for this round. Don, uh, when it comes to innovation and the government, what, where else can we, can we add to this, right? Where else can we take this trillion dollars and, and increase our innovation? All right, well, before I answer any questions, I'm gonna double, triple disclaim myself here. <laughs> for those of you who happen to know where I work these days, Everything I say on this show and other shows is purely my opinion, my uh, understanding of things. It has nothing to do or any, any kind of tie-in to where I work or who I might work with. State that. 
Um, and FYI, I, when, when I was with an integrator prior to coming to where I work now, uh, that integrator did a lot of government work. So I can speak from that area as an area of expertise yeah. without telling you who I work for. Um, all that said, <laughs> um, look, looking at this infrastructure bill, you know, I don't know the exact breakdown on how much of it is purely cybersecurity and how much of it is true infrastructure. $1.9 billion think... is what they said is, an, is cybersecurity. Okay. But there, there is additional monies in this with the greater infrastructure bill. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a trillion dollars. So yeah. basically, one per, is that one yeah. percent? Almost one percent. So I, we, I, yeah, we, we get a trickle. We get a yeah. trickle. So honestly, looking at the entire infrastructure bill, I'm going to go completely, uh, uh, completely rogue here and say the biggest impact that it's going to have on us as an industry is what we're facing right now in 2021, and that's with supply chain issues. Mm. We had entire backups of things that were ordered when the Memphis Bridge was shut down and closed all Mississippi River traffic for a little while a few months ago, um, adding to the COVID and, and, the, and the ports and everything, those issues with infrastructure. Mm. Um, every time you have a bridge that goes down or is closed or is rerouted in this country, every time you have a highway issue, every time you have a major infrastructure problem, you're adding to the ripples that are already turning our supply chain into a rough ocean. And with COVID and with the problems overseas and with the idiots doing U-turns in the Suez Canal and whatever, you know, we're, we're really suffering in 2021 even more so from infrastructure-based supply chain issues than we are from actual cyber issues, if you can believe that. And so I think that's going to be where the biggest impact is felt. That said, looking at the cyber side of things, it's a big deal. If, uh, you know, uh, Mark said, hey, end users, if you, uh, or hey, integrators, you know, better brush up on your IT for this one. You should have done that already. If you want to work for my company or any company in my vertical, you should already know who makes all of your bits. You should already have certificates of... Uh, volatility on file for the products that you're representing. You should know if they're TAA compliant or if they have chips from unfriendly countries. You should know if, if in some obscure cases that I remember from an integrator, your shipping company that brings the products from Asia engage in human trafficking. That was actually a question I had to answer as an integrator for a government project a few years ago, uh, relying to, you know, did we human traffic when we brought our TVs over? Um, you, you know, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of regulation out there. And um, a lot of it comes to play with cybersecurity. But it, it just comes right down to knowing who your customer is and knowing their demands. And are you building SCIF compliant rooms? Are you building what level of classification can I use this product in? I have entire manufacturers that I can't even talk to at trade shows other than to wave at a distance and say, hi, fellas. Uh, you know, Tim knows this story because I was just barely divorced at the time. But a couple years ago at Infocom, when I still worked for an integrator, I was very sad that I had to walk away from an entire booth of six foot plus beautiful men who had a fantastic looking video conferencing product because my integrator at the time did a lot of government work and their, and their video conferencing equipment was built in Moscow. <laughs> so, you know... You need to know where your stuff is coming from, folks. And if you haven't already done so, you better get on that. That's that's the big thing. Um, but yeah, I, I, I just think that there's a lot more to it than just 
sending some some signals safely over a cable or a fiber or whatever we just need to be aware of everything our customer requires as manufacturers distributors or end users consultants finally from um av magazine the video conferencing app usage levels have grown more than 200 percent uh looking at active users for zoom teams and google meet uh those mobile apps are 21 times the pre-pandemic levels according to sensor tower data uh, Mr. Coxon, we'll start with you on this. How does the soft codec growth uh, over the last, let's say, 10 years or so, how does that change design uh, for AV systems and conference rooms and you know education facilities? You know, I think in the beginning it didn't change it too much because we were still talking about room systems, right? We were talking about physical assets that sat in a building that we could reach and touch on an everyday basis. And so all of those things had to transfer to USB. And I was over, you know, with a company called Vadio that did a lot of that kind of early USB stuff um, to get high-end, you know, video equipment and recording equipment into the soft codec world. But I think today when we're talking about app usage, um, we're talking about people's personal devices. We're talking about people's home offices. We're talking about people, you know, posting up in their car in between a drive or a meeting or or uh, popping into maybe one of these hub spoke uh, kind of arrangements that's popping up where offices will give people we work two days a week or something like that. Um, mm -hmm. So support becomes very different. And I think, you know, from a corporate standpoint, what we, you know, um, companies are starting to see that it makes sense to, to uh, I guess, create standards around what this at-home remote office equipment is. Um, so I think that's number one is, is there's a big opportunity or a big need to standardize that type of equipment so that we're supporting one, two, three cameras instead of a hundred different cameras based on what was on sale on Amazon, you know, that day. Um, and I think, you know, from another perspective, you know, there's a, there's a whole new opportunity for, uh, for support and service for clients from an integrator perspective. And we see, you know, companies like who I have no affiliation or, or, you know, horse in the race there, but companies like Westco, um, Liberty AV, they have a new product called CX detect, right? Which is a whole product that goes in and it takes things like, uh, the Cisco unified communication manager, um, their telepresence suite, the Logitech rally suite or tap suite, the Zoom API and consolidates all those into a dashboard where you can actually now service customers at home, see all those devices, the applications that they're using, and now actually create a help desk that goes out to all these remote places and looks at these disparate devices and actually allows you to help support people no matter where they're at. And so I do think it's changed the way support is, but I think that it creates this amazing opportunity for integrators to tell that story. Let us help you with a rollout. Let us help you with standardization. And then let us help you on the back end with consolidating these six, seven different dashboards that you would have to use and putting all those into one tool um, that you can help support your people no matter where they sit. And uh, I think that's kind of exciting because it puts us more in a help desk IT mm -hmm. situation. Yeah, absolutely. Don, uh, when you look at this and you look at, you know, kind of the growth of this, where does mobile fit into this, right? Because that's the one thing that this was talking about was the mobile aspect of this. So not only is soft codecs growing uh, in addition, you know, in, in, I guess in, in place of dedicated systems, but the part of this that's interesting is, is the mobile part. Does that impact um, the, the design? Does that impact, you know, conference rooms? I think it impacts us in several different ways because it gives us a lot more flexibility, both as designers and as users that we never had before. Now, again, backing up to the last question and something Mark said on the last question, you know, yeah, there's some a lot of growth in, in the soft codex, but in some verticals, in some industries, and in some rooms within those places, 
you will never not have a hard codec. They will never go to a soft codec, even the government-approved or secured soft codecs, which are used in lesser rooms. So that said, not everybody's going this route. But where you are able to use the soft codecs, it's giving us a flexibility in design that allows us to do things like bring back 50% of our workforce prior to the end of COVID and just separate them out into more rooms because the lower of uh, cost involved in getting soft codecs in all the PCs that are in the conference rooms and just hooking up a camera and a, and a mic or a camera and a speaker, you know, in that room suddenly turns all these spaces that didn't have tech before. It's like we talked with the huddle rooms a couple years ago, you know, places that w normally wouldn't have tech are now tech enabled. There are now communication enabled. We can bring that 50% of the workforce back into the office on the days they're there and just separate them in between three or four different conference rooms instead of squishing them all into the one room with enough chairs that we all catch diseases from each other, you know? So it, it gives us that flexibility. It gives us that ability to take communication and take it with us anywhere. And I am the first to admit there are times that I'm working at home or that I'm on a trip or I'm going from one client site to another, you know, within my company that I've sat in on, on some in my case, non-work related, but industry related conference calls. I've sat in on some AV Week CI, uh, you know, AV Magazine, uh, insert, you know, webinar here, meetings on my phone in the car in a parking lot or having it play in the background while I'm driving and just listening to it. And it gives me the ability to take part in so much more that I couldn't have taken part in before. So I think that's where the real value is. And that's where we're going to see a lot of growth with it, even in companies and in verticals where there's always going to be a place for a hard codec. All right. Mr. Barlow, uh, Don mentioned the, the fact that there is a place for hard codec. So with that, in, if that is the case, then where does that belong? Is it just in government and military and, and banking institutions, maybe possibly uh, healthcare? Uh, or are there is there still a place for hard codecs outside of those areas that are concerned mostly about security? So let me answer that from a sideways perspective. Um, I think everybody knows that the 21x increase in this app usage is work from home, school from home, you know, volleyball from home, whatever. Everybody living from home. And with that, everybody had to pivot into whatever they could find that worked like me using my five-year-old logitech camera because i couldn't buy one back a year ago but i think as as we go from that from 2020 to um, the new normal of hybrid hybrid anything hybrid everything partial work from home partial school from home I think one of the things that's happening, and I don't normally beat the cybersecurity drum, um, but I do think that companies are now looking at how do we do things today versus last year when we had to scramble? How do we do things today that we can live with permanently? And there's going to be a lot of changes. Uh, just even internally here today, we got an update from our IT director that starting in a, a week or two, there's certain apps that we've been using on our iPhone for years that we are no longer allowed to use because they're security threats. Wow. 
And that's going to happen throughout, not just video conferencing, not just um, Android and, and iPhone apps. It's going to happen through every, every layer and every level of um, the electronic part of our industry. Because the IT specialists are, are you know, they're under scrutiny. How do we, how do we move this model forward, this hybrid existence forward safely and securely? A lot of things were done last year. Even the vaccination, you know, was rushed through, right? Now everybody's pausing and, and thinking, okay, now that we're not in panic mode, what's the right way to do hybrid moving forward? Does that help? Absolutely. Can I jump in on that? Sure. Actually, Kevin, you made a really good point, and here's my take on it. It also depends where you are on that cybersecurity spectrum, because a whole lot of people were over here like, cyber what? That's in a movie on HBO or on whatever. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw that. That was like the guy walking around with the chip in his head, right? You got to worry about it. No, it, you know, hackers with Julia, Angelina Jolie back in the day. But yeah, you know, a lot of people were over here. For them, the panic mode is happening, and now, oh my God, you can't use that app. It's a, it's a risk. It's this. It's that. Other people were already kind of in the middle or over here, and very concerned about that. And interestingly, my company and a couple of other companies that were over here are now with the hybrid work model coming, and the fact that we are using our own devices and company devices in different ways, they've come up with secure ways to sort of partition or use apps that previously we couldn't install on our company phones in a limited fashion on our company phones, just kind of apart from the stuff we're using company related. So, you know, it depends where you fell on that spectrum pre 2020 panic to determine where you are now and how we're moving forward. And I think everyone over here is now kind of here. You're going to catch up with the folks over here. By then we might be, you know, two blocks that way. Who knows? But I, I think it's going to be an evolution. You know, we're beyond the days of, oh, my goodness, there was a panel from one of our industry partners on the front page of the news because there was a hack at the White House, you know, to ever. OK, everybody knows about that. Everybody knows about Target. Everyone knows about this one or that one or the speakers that, that were able to be hacked. Let's move beyond that and look at more sophisticated ways of improving and advancing as an industry. And then, you know, and, and partnering more with our IT brethren and sistren, as it were, yes. <laughs> to uh, keep that progress going forward. Is that That's, a word, sistren? I, I don't know, but... Uh, cistern, right. cistern's yeah. a word. Cistern, yeah, cistern I know. <laughs> cistern is where she was going. All right. That'll I, be I'm good sorry. I, I apologize. That's a that's a Harryism for those yeah. of you that know my, my oh. There's one other, one other He always says tidbit. my brethren and my cistern, so... Wow. One other there tidbit that, uh, that I'll throw in there, which I found fascinating. I, I saw it on LinkedIn maybe a month ago. Gosh, might have been, been from you, Mark. I don't remember. But it was showing the main video conferencing apps and all the stuff that if you read the fine print that nobody ever reads when you click, okay, of each one of what they do with your personal information by clicking okay and it rated them based on the most private secure versus the least that was really fascinating you know to, to see these main apps and i think it departments are probably looking at that saying hmm we've been using this one for the last year and it doesn't look like it's probably the best choice from a privacy perspective 
Oh, Kevin, don't don't devolve on that topic, or Bradford will be hopping online and joining the conversation, and we'll never get off this. That's for next week. All right. Uh, thank you guys so much, Don Mead, uh, AB Don. How do people connect with you, ma'am? Well, you can always find me online on any of the socials, either Don Mead, M E A D E, just like the fort, or as AV Don on the Twitters and the Instas and the Snappies and all the other things. Uh, even TikTok, although I haven't really posted videos, but whatever. Uh, you can, of course, always find me here at avnation.tv, hosting the AV Social Show. This month, we had a really great guest, the author of a book, who was able to come on and talk to me about network mapping. No, not that kind. So check out that podcast and some of my other older shows. And, of course, presuming we can go, you'll find me in Orlando teaching two classes at Infocom on communication and customer needs. All right, very good. Mr. Barlow, thank you, sir. Uh, how do people connect with you or Draper? Well, I'd say first, come to Indianapolis in two weeks and visit me in our booth at Cedia Expo or in Orlando in October. Uh, social, uh, easiest is to find me on LinkedIn, Kevin C. Barlow, and Draper is draperinc.com. And again, thanks for having me, Tim. Absolutely. Uh, last but not least, Mr. Coxon, thank you, sir, and thanks for, for hanging out yeah. yesterday. Uh, how do people uh, connect with you or HD distributing? So I'm on Twitter. I am at AV, as an audio video phenom, uh, on Twitter. I'm also on LinkedIn, Mark Coxon. Uh, you can find HD distributing at HD, as in high definition, the number two, and then pro, HD, hd2pro.com. And if you want to see me uh, knock guys out on Saturday, go to uh, Instagram and go to Kiki. No punchy. And yes, it's just as it sounds. I kick a lot and probably don't punch as much as I should. <laughs> All right, very good. Uh, for me, for Tim Albright, uh, don't follow me uh, on the Twitters, but go by the website if you would, please. Avionation.tv. That's avionation.tv. You'll find programs like this and a host of others. Like Dawn said, she has her own uh, look at, looking at the marketing uh, and social media trends of AV. Uh, that is AV Social. Uh, also, our buddy Matt Scott uh, hosts his own weekly show looking at the residential side, the CDS side of, of the industry. He will be covering this in depth. Uh, the cancellations that we've had to date, and and I will almost guarantee you, we're recording this at uh, darn near one o'clock central on Friday. There'll be some more between now and Monday when he records. So check that out. Also check out our sponsors, folks like Draper. We appreciate their support uh, for Aviation. We've got two brand new uh, pages that I want you to look at this week. One is all about CDA Expo. If you're going, check it out. CDA dot Aviation dot TV forward slash CDA dash Expo dash twenty one. Uh, coverage is sponsored by Crestron, so we thank them. We're actually having a tweet-up with uh, our buddy uh, David Danto and Chris Netto on Wednesday, uh, September 1st. Before to, uh, 5 o'clock, you can register for that and check out all of our coverage of Cedia. And uh, also, we've got two, uh, two currently get-togethers uh, for Infocom because we're still uh, all in. So you can go to avionation.tv forward slash Infocom dash 2021. You can sign up for the, the AV users uh, Fuse Party, that's October 26th, basically Infocom Eve. Uh, and then uh, the tweet-up, uh, the annual tweet-up is uh, October 27th from 4 to 6 o'clock at the Orange County Convention Center. So all of that and more at avionation.tv. It's avionation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. That's all the time we have for AV Week.